Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I've gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said to him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliveredst unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents besides them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee, that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, here, is thou, here thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put thy money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Father, we thank you. There is both a joyful and a sober side to what we've just read. We pray thee, Lord, that you would help us to heed the warning. But I believe, Lord, in this afternoon, there's such a positive declaration that you want us all to hear. So I pray that, Lord, your spirit would make application just as you know how. Yes. It already seems, Lord, like the flow of everything from this morning up until now, it just keeps going in the same direction. And Lord, we're just asking that you would take this time and that you would preach it to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So here, this is probably to you a very familiar passage. No doubt you've heard something several times on this passage. There's probably been several different angles. But as I had prayed, even just now too, I really feel like there's a positive element here that the Lord wants us to focus on, the Lord wants us to hear. There was a man named Dr. Anderson. I tried to figure out who more this man was, and I couldn't, so Dr. Anderson's all I've got. <laughs> but he helped us to understand something. Does God want us to focus on our strengths, or does God want us to focus on our weaknesses? He reasoned like this. One, there is a God. Two, he is a creator God. Three, God creates with intentionality. He has a purpose, reason, and plan for what he creates. Four, God created people with various talents and abilities. Five, the talents and abilities God created in us are inextricably linked to God's will, 
purpose, plan for our lives. Number six, the talents and abilities have given, or he has given us are part of what will enable us to fulfill his plan of our lives, to fulfill his will for us. Number seven, strengths develop from the talents and abilities God has given us. God-given talents and abilities come first. Strengths stem from the way God created and endowed us. Number eight, God is a creator God who continuously works in our lives to form us into the persons he wants us to be. And number nine, talents and abilities develop into strengths through a combination of relationships, interactions, life experiences, and opportunities to grow, and through instruction which God sometimes orchestrates and which he can always use to fulfill his purposes in our lives. I thought that is quite an extensive train of thought to get us up to this point and in talking about what this parable is bringing forth. God's creator, he created all things. He created you and I. He did it on purpose. He had an intention. And then he laid out talents to each person. Sometimes some of us have the same. Some of us have so, such opposite talents. And then the expectation is that we take those talents and we work with those God-given talents to develop them into strengths. You see the difference there? The talent is God-given. The strength is honing that talent and exploiting it. And so we get to the place then where we say life experience, people that we meet and all, we find these talents surface and we find that we have opportunities to strengthen those talents. The Gallup, a Gallup organization, they do all the polls and stuff that you've probably read, you know, certain statistic things that they've compiled. The Gallup organization, renowned for its strength-based development, this is over 30 or 40 years, maybe even 50 years, I can't remember. They had polled people in all different countries concerning their uh, strengths, concerning their abilities, working in the workplace, top achieving executives, and, and all the way down to somebody who is even a janitor. They wanted the whole gamut of things and trying to find similarities between people and similarities between their hearts and the way they think and their successes and their failures and trying to just pull all this together. They define strength as the ability to consistently provide near-perfect performance in a specific activity. Talents are naturally reoccurring patterns of thought, feeling, or behavior that can be productively applied. Thus, the equation for a strength can be reduced to talent times knowledge plus skills plus time spent equals strength. I'll say that one more time. Talent times knowledge plus skills plus time spent equals strength. So God gives us talent, then we, with those talents, should then, on our part, know more, study more, get some knowledge, then practice and develop skills, and then spend time with those talents, and we'll develop strength. Does that, does that thoughtful make sense? So, here, we're... <laughs> I should say this, I thought before today, I thought, Lord, I don't know if I should talk about this in the afternoon because I thought some of this is more applicable to a certain core of people than it is to others. Lo and behold, here's the core of people that I felt like it applied to that I was hesitant not to before. So I feel like we're kind of in a family setting at this moment. And I'm not saying that everyone else is not. I just mean to say there's something different about who's here now and who's here at other times. And I think this is more for us here. 
you know that there's a transition that's coming up. There's going to be, just in the next few months, we'll be going on to the next sphere of work and labor that the Lord has for us. And God is not done with Rome. He's got a next tier and a next phase for what's going on here in Rome. So that obviously includes you as people. And it's going to include somebody else whom we don't know necessarily or specifically right now who that is. But somebody else is going to be in here and plugging in in such a manner that's going to be perfect and right. And it may not always look like that at first. We may think, I don't understand or get it, but God does know. And he orchestrates things for a purpose, for a plan, as we were reading about earlier. I remember a little while back thinking and praying, Lord, I'd like to do my part, seeing this transition coming up, that I could help, you know, this transition to go in a certain way. I don't know what to do. Lord, what do I do? And I started praying. I said, I need, I need somebody or need something to do. Do you know, soon after that, brother or Dr. Cooley from Penview called me. I asked him no questions, and he answered the things that I was praying about. <laughs> they just came right out of his mouth. And I thought, I remember right when I was talking on the phone, the Lord said, there's your answer. And I, and I was very much aware that that's what it was. But he's saying, here we have coming up in this church a change, right? The change is inevitable, right? It's something that's going to happen but the transition is something different. The change is the bare bones facts. Here's what happens. The transition then involves us emotionally, involves us mentally. It's what we do with the change and how we navigate through this as individuals and how we navigate through this as a whole church. So as we're thinking about these, this which I just brought up with the, the uh, parable of the talents and developing those talents into strengths, I would ask this question in light of this transition coming up, what will foster a healthy, strong church? What's going to foster a healthy and a strong church? I think number one, healthy and strong individuals. And those individuals capitalizing on their talents and developing those talents into strengths. And then, when we do that, I believe if we have that focus, the way forward is, I mean, inevitably what will happen is that there will be an interconnectedness between us and there will be an interdependence between us. Why? Because some people, their strengths are here and your weaknesses are the very strengths this other person has and vice versa. Then we start to appreciate our own weaknesses because it helps us to realize how much we need the other person. And then we appreciate our strengths because we realize what we have to offer that the other one does not. And therefore, it makes this perfectly meshed together and something can happen that would be impossible to happen otherwise. So, as we look in this, this parable that Jesus spoke, I'd like to look at a few things that will help us even to navigate this as individuals and to navigate this as a church and Lord, what do we do to go forward to make this transition help, or to, to progress and go forward in a way that's productive? Because I understand that emotionally there's a lot of questions, there's a lot of things that come up, but if we focus on that, we may miss what exactly, what kind of creativeness God could make happen because of a transition. We can always look at a transition in a negative sense and then that makes it hard to kind of get through it, but if we can see this as an opportunity for something new to happen, 
an opportunity for something different to happen. And obviously it's gonna be different, but I mean in this positive direction. God, this transition is not something that's a surprise to him. He knows all about it. So even God himself is trying to capitalize on this situation to make it something beautiful. So I want to look at the master's character in this parable. I wanna look at the master's supply. I want to look at the master's entrusting. I wanna look at cooperation with the master. I wanna look at the master's reckoning and then kind of summing this all up at the end. So first, the master's character. This master's character, it doesn't clearly define the master's character in there, but when you look at what the master had done, you can find in that master a generous master. He was a generous man. You can find also in this master an expectant master. Because when he came back reckoning, he was asking questions. He wanted to see what was happening, and he was expecting an increase. He was expecting more out of what he so generously gave. So we see the generosity in the beginning of what he gave. We see the expectation of his on the other end. This master's character also was considerate because he didn't give everybody five talents. He gave one five, one two, and one one. And the expectations he had for each one of those people was equal to what he gave. Then we find that this master was a joyful master. He was joyful in that he gave out like that, but he was also joyful to hear the report of those people when he came back to reckon with them. How, how, did, how are things faring? How's everything gone since I've been gone? Tell me about it. He shared in their joys. They came with joy to him and he shared with their joy. He was a joyful master and he was a loving master. I think that kind of encompasses the whole of his generosity, his joyful expectation, his consideration. We find that this master was loving. He wasn't a hard taskmaster, though one man thought that. He was a generous, kind, and loving master. So naturally, when we see a man like that, it puts a, a, quite a, a picture on his giving, on the supply that he gave to these people. Now we know the hand that's giving it to us. It's one thing to just know what we've got, but when we know the hand behind it, it makes this all the more meaningful, all the more special, all the more important, and our reception of it is even greater than it was if we hadn't known who gave it to us. But when we do, something else is attached to it. So this master supply, it says that he gave them his good. He gave them all of his riches. Imagine that. I don't know how well he knew these people beforehand. I don't know how long they've worked for him. I have none of, no clue. But I do know this, that this master said that he gave his goods over to these people. He gave his riches over. So simply, I would ask the question, what are riches made up of? Think about it even in this world. What are riches made up of? Sometimes we think riches, if I would ask a kid, they'd be like, a gold coin, a silver coin. You know, they'd have that kind of an idea. Something that looks like money or some kind of bright, shiny jewel. Wow, those are riches. But when you think about riches, you know, to us as people, I would just bring this as, as, as I guess, a defining uh, riches is that it's the estate of an individual. It's the things that we have. Those are our riches. And that can look vastly different between people and the riches that one person contains also are vastly different. 
So think about like an estate sale. And I know, I know there's someone here that really likes estate sales, yes. Think about estate sales. You go in, I like those better by the way than a yard sale, because you can walk in and throughout and it's all right there and it's kind of spread out a little better than it was because it's all crammed on a table. But you go in and there's large items. So you're looking at all these large items, furniture. Usually that's one of the first things people go in and tag, I want this, I want this, I want this. There's large items, there's small items. There's costly items, there's inexpensive items. There's tools, there's art, you know, decorations that there may be, little knickknacks and trinkets and paintings and pictures, there's that in there. There's memories even. And all of that to the person that that used to belong to, though that they, they've now passed, that was their riches, they treasured that. So richer, riches are made up of the sum of one's belongings. Now think about this again. We're talking about the master's supply. He gave his riches to these people. Now put ourselves in this place, because you, I, I'm sure you understand the parallel Jesus was making. Obviously, this is a, a picture of us and him and our relationship to him, and he's the master and we're the servants. So put ourselves in that place for a minute and think about the master's supplies. Think about what he's done for you. He's given all his riches out. And then he went away to a far country in heaven. He gave all his riches out. The Bible says that he led captivity captive and gave, gave gifts unto men. He gave these riches out. Some of us may have large items. Some of us have small items. Some of us have costly ones. Some of us have inexpensive ones. Some of us have those utility kind of items like tools. Some of us have those art kind of items, music as we can see as, as an art, and many other different facets of things, just a creative mind and what. He's given us his riches. All of these things, if we could look at it right, are the expression of the beauty of God. God is not just a utilitarian God where he's like, we need to get this done, pick up the shovel, take the hammer, and here we go. There's beauty along with it as well. He, he's concerned even about the aesthetics of how things are. He's concerned about those large items, but also the small ones. Same thing I said to my wife. You know if I wasn't married, I would be content with tacking a towel over the window. <laughs> I would tack a towel over the window, a fold-up chair, and if that started to hurt on my backside, then I'd probably find a cushion somewhere, or I'd fold the blanket up several times, and that would take the, the, you know, the hurt off. Of the, but I'd be fine with that. I'd be fine with a bed, and then, you know, at nighttime, if I needed a nightstand, I'd take the blanket off the chair, and I'd pull the chair up to the bed, and I'd put my cup on the chair. I don't know if Brother Matt would be like that, too, but I think guys are, are a little more like that. It's like, it's nice. I, I mean, I said to my wife, you make, you make a house a home, because you go through all the time of taking these little decorations and knickknacks and, and hanging things and even, you know, putting a covering over top of a sofa or something. You know what I mean? Then you come in there, and it's like, this is nice but I probably wouldn't have bothered. You know, God does those same things throughout his kingdom and the talents that he gives people. He's got people that are utilitarian. They have a, a purpose. They're like the shovel that digs in and moves the stuff. Then there's the other people that put beauty along with that. Maybe they stand by you when you shovel and they sing. You know, I don't know. But there's something wonderful that takes place so that, can you, I don't know if any of you have done this. I know Brother Matt up there has done it. 
Sometimes when you work in one of those hard jobs and you're digging holes all day long, you're digging a trench, you're using a hammer and a chisel, you're picking up rocks, you look like a mess, first of all. Second of all, you're so sweaty. Thirdly, you're tired. And fourthly, you're hungry. And all you're doing all day is you're grunting this stuff and moving it around, but wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be wonderful if there was like a chorus of like praise singers that were near you? I'd oh, be singing, no wonder that the slaves had those chain gangs, you know, and they'd be singing one to another and encouraging one another. They got through it. And I'm just, all I'm saying is that's what God, he knows what he's doing. He's passed talents out like that. He's given us all his riches. Not one thing is necessarily more important than the other. If we could see it right, he would say, this is the full picture, guys. This is the full picture of what I'd like to do. I don't want to just get it done, but I want it to be done with glory and majesty and beauty. And God takes care of that if we'll just say, Lord, what talents have you given me? He's thought so much of you that he's gave you his own riches. He's gave you something that's precious to him. So your talents are precious to him. Then the master is entrusting. If it wasn't enough that he was so generous and that he gave us all of his riches and they're so wonderful and glorious, and sometimes you might think, oh my, He's given this in my hand, and he's going to trust this to my keeping. You might start to shake a little bit. <laughs> I don't know if I can handle this. I don't, am I going to do a good job? You know, all these questions go into our minds. It said, unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To every man, according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. That helps us to see something about his entrusting. He's got all the riches, but how he doled them out was very specific. He's thinking about the individual. He's thinking about you and I. He deals with each one of us as individuals. And his body is made up of individual parts. He also deals with us in such a way where he understands our capacity. He knows what we can handle because he's made us. So he may give to one person five and he may give to the other two and he may give to the other one and it's not because he thinks less of anyone or more of anyone else. He just understands that this person's capacity can handle this. So therefore, I can rightly uh, hold them responsible for this thing. And this person can't do what he can, but they can be responsible for this. Even parents know this with their children. I don't turn to Jude and say, Jude, there's 80 pound salt bags in the trunk. I want you to get all 10 of them and come put them over here and stack them up. That would be, and if I, if I was out there yelling at him, tell him, Jude, I don't know why you're not doing this right now. I told you to go pick up those salt bags. Put them over here and stack them. If anybody saw me do that, looking on, you'd say, he is unreasonable. You might even go over and start picking the salt bags up yourself because you feel sorry. Well, God doesn't do that with us. He doesn't load us up with the 80-pound salt bags and yell at us all day long trying to get the job done. He knows what we can handle. And so then he meets it out just like that. So God's wonderful riches are doled out then to us according to our, path, our capacity, to our several abilities, whatever that means. Some of this you and I have to figure out in prayer. Sometimes some, of, some things surface and they come right up and we realize, okay, I, I think this is what God has given me as a talent or something that he wants me to do. Sometimes it takes us a little while to even, you know, hone that and figure out what it is. And I, I'm convinced that sometimes we have more than one and there's just one, there's like one that's very dominant, but there's like other ones that are kind of floating along and you don't know where those fit. But God knows about it. 
And he's not going to beat us and whip us. If we don't get it, he's patient with us. He's going to help us. And then he's going to try and blossom this thing open and show us what he's expecting and what we, what's the possibilities. He wants to do that for us. So his supply is so wonderful. And then he's so considerate that he says, no, you know, you can handle this. I want to give this to you. I'll check back with you later. And you can handle all this. So I'm going to dump all this on you. And, but I'll be with you and I'll help you. We're going to grow this. We're going we're gonna to do all this work that I need done, and each one's going to have their part. Then it's now the cooperation with this master that we have to be considered, or that we have to consider as people. Cooperation with the master. So what we're doing is we're working with what we've been given, not with what we've not been given. I remember, let me read this verse first of all, just to back up this thought. This is in what we just read. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. So he traded with what he had. He traded with the same, the scripture tells us. I remember when I was a kid, I think my grandmother gave me this from like an Avon. Yeah, Avon something or other. All I knew is yeah, it, was in, it was in our movie drawer underneath our television and where the VCR was. It was around the world in 80 days, and it was a cartoon uh, classic. And I remember the song and everything. And this, I don't know what it was. I could probably sing the whole thing. Uh, but it's stuck up here. But I remember even these catchy phrases. And this was one of them that Phineas Fogg said. Learn to use what you have got, and you won't need what you have not. When I was a child, I would just, you know, I just walk around saying those things. Learn to use what you've got. And then the motto of the wise is be prepared for surprises. He was like MacGyver back then. He had all these trinkets and he, and he figured stuff out and he just made it work. But you know what? There's a lot of truth to that first statement. Learn to use what you have got and you won't need what you have not. We need to hear that. We need to hear that in these days. Most of us, generally speaking, focus, I think, on our weaknesses and trying even to better the weaknesses because we don't like the weakness, so we try to fix it. Ooh, that's a weakness here. I need to fix this. And when we do that, we get kind of narrowed, tunneled, and then we kind of just squash ourselves down. John Maxwell, you've probably heard of his name before, he's renowned for uh, his leadership uh, uh, seminars and books and all these things that he's done. He said this, when it comes to character, we need to give attention to our weaknesses because if there's character weaknesses, those are things God's interested in. He wants to develop our character. That's just a part of our inner core. But when it comes to uh, abilities and talents, we don't need to focus on our weaknesses, we need to focus on our abilities. What God has given the talent to us to do. That's where our focus needs to be as a Christian. We need to repair the weaknesses of character under the guidance and power of the Holy Ghost but then when it comes to talents and abilities, leave the weaknesses over there and focus on what you have. Remember, these men traded with what they had, not with what they didn't. Remember in the beginning, I was saying to build on the talents and the equation was talent times knowledge plus skills plus time spent equals strength. So if we go back to the beginning of that equation, you again ask yourself, what is my talent? Not what, I, what am I not good at and I need to fix, but what am I good at? Now I need to learn more about this, I need to spend time doing this, and I need to develop some skills, and therefore I will have a strength. This strength will be developed all the more. So there is a reason why God made you the way that he did. 
Harvard Medical School special health report called Positive Psychology, Harnessing the Power of Happiness, Mindfulness, and Inner Strength found that focusing on strengths and what people are doing right increased performance by 36% on average. Conversely, focusing on weaknesses decreased performance by 27%. So if you are now focusing on your weaknesses and that has gripped you, add 27 and 36, and that's the percentage leap that you can get from where you are now. Isn't that astounding? Positive psychology has done this as statistics, but the scripture already talked about this a long time ago. <laughs> Use what you've got, and you won't need what you have not. God's given you talents. Go and trade with the same, and it still works. Thank the Lord. Then we have the master's reckoning. We find two things that happened in his reckoning. Reckoning with joy and reckoning with displeasure. I think I'm just going to focus on the displeasure first, and then we'll come around to the joy afterwards. So unfortunately, we find this displeasure part of reckoning. It's said about that man that received one. He received one. He went and digged in the earth, and he hid his Lord's money. So we find the displeasure of the servant later. Said, then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. There we find the displeasure of the servant. He had a wrong perception of his master's character. Remember in the beginning, we talked about the master's character. Now we find a man who had wrongly perceived who this man was that gave him these riches. He thought he was a hard taskmaster. He thought he was gonna get beat down. He thought that there was no chance for him to make an increase on this, so he went and buried it in the ground and hid it so that when he came back, at least he could give him back what was his. He had a wrong perception. You see, God, uh, the, this master, which we now know as Christ, if we're making the spiritual application, God has given it to us, and then he gives grace underneath to lift us up. All we've gotta do is cooperate with him in wings. We get wings. We can move forward. Then we find the master's displeasure because he answered and said, thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not and gather where I have not straw. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers and then at my coming I should have received my own with usury. In other words, if you knew that I was like that, you should have taken your money and given it to somebody that could have done something with it and then got that back in the end and given it to me. At least I would have made something from it. That's, that's a pretty gut statement. Right in the gut, boom. That was the displeasure that had come up. But conversely, we find the side of joy. We, we hear about the ones that had the five talents. Remember what they did? Lord, you gave me five talents. I went and traded them, I got five more. And he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. You've been faithful in little things. Now you'll be given great things. Then we find that the guy who had two, same thing. I had two and I got two more. They were joyful. What did the master say? Well, first of all, again, just a little display of the master's character. He entrusted them with far more than the servant's faithfulness. Because it said they were faithful with little. They got more back from that. And then what did he say? You're going to have more. You're going to be, now I'm going to give you much, much more. He had joy also in the children that tried. Joy in the servants that tried. Well done. 
He didn't say, come on, you two-talent man. He got five. That never happened. He said, well done to both of them, according to their capacity. Then we find that servant's giving his joyful account, and he was happy and fulfilled when he worked with his given talent. He was excited to tell the master, and that should be the heart of a Christian, excited when we're fulfilling what God has done in us and working according to these talents, develop, developing them into strengths. That's why I'm so blessed with Sister Canfield when she was downstairs doing the children's thing, and I talked with Brother Doug just last week, and he was saying, she has spent so much time working on all these posters and doing all this thing. Why? That must be a niche. It must be what God's given you the talents and gift for and the heart for. And so naturally, if she's working in there, it's fulfilling. And you can tell it's fulfilling. It's the same with any of us. If we are working in that talent, that area that God has gifted us with, it is personally fulfilling, and it's a joy to God himself. Then just a few other things to note here about that reckoning. He said, take that talent from the man that was unfaithful with it and give it to the guy that has 10 talents. You've heard that old adage that if you want something done, give it to the person that doesn't have pretty much any time to do it, right? Because they've been showing themselves faithful and responsible. They generally just can handle it, I guess. So he says, give it to the person that has more. So listen to this. Faithfulness with what God has given you in talents breeds more faithfulness. Faithfulness with what God has given you breeds more blessing. Faithfulness with what God has given you breeds more privilege, more responsibility. It's not like, oh no, now I gotta do all this. It is a privilege for you when God entrusts you with more, when you're working in your talents, when you're developing those talents into strengths. You are longing to do more and to do better. You want to. But that unconcerned servant, he was thrown off into the outer darkness. And I don't believe there's any person inside this room that falls under that category at all. I don't believe any of us want to even go in that direction. I believe all of us want to work in our strengths. I believe all of us want us to develop those talents that God's given into strengths so that it glorifies him and it can help his kingdom. And some of the testimonies have been said like that even this afternoon. I believe that's what we wanna do. And if we wanna do it and God wants to do it, that's a pretty good pair. So then, bringing all this to summation, what do we do about our weaknesses, though? That question can still be floating around in your mind. What do we do about those weak spots? Well, there are probably some things that you and I are going to have to do that we're not very good at, but that's not going to be our focus. We'll do it because it needs to be done at certain times, but we want to focus on our strengths. And when we have to do some of those things that we feel like we might be weak in, some of those talents or abilities that we're weak in, we just hunker down, we get a little better at it, whatever that weakness is. We can design a support system that will stop us from worrying about weaknesses so that we can spend more time focusing on our strengths. And I don't know what that is. Maybe you just surround yourself with, you, with someone else that you know is better at this, the area of weakness that you have, and then you can kind of just, you know, they, they'll take it and pass that off to them and you focus on your strengths and you make a support system as you work together. Use one of your strongest themes, your strongest talents, your, your strengths, use one of those to overwhelm whatever weakness may be trying to get into your focus. Use one of those and put your hand to the plow and start working there. Find a partner to handle that area, which I already said, and acknowledge that this is not an area of your strength for you and you know, I'm just not going to do those things. 
Sometimes we may not be able to brush it off and say, I can't do those things, but we should be thinking, you know what? There's probably somebody else that is better at this, and when I find that person, I'd like to give them that. You know what? Sometimes we feel like, well, I can't make that other person do that because if I do that, then they're gonna just feel like I'm dropping a load off on their lap. But you know what? When somebody is gifted or talented in a certain area and you give them something that heightens that, they're, they're pleased to do it. It's like, yeah, especially when you come at them and you say, you're a whole lot better at this than I am, and I just thought, you know, I'm good at this over here, and you're good at this, and if we work together, we could get this done. We could do something. And if you put it to them like that, you know what they think? You're right. I am good at that. I can do that. And we need to encourage one another in those ways, even as a body of Christ. So an over-focus on personal weakness lessens that whole body mentality, the body of Jesus Christ. With the acknowledgement and appreciation of our weaknesses as strengths, we can move on. Now that sounds like it doesn't make sense. We can acknowledge and appreciate our weakness as a strength or as an asset in this way. Now it makes me interdependent amongst the body of Christ. Now it makes me interconnected. And for that reason, this weakness is my greatest strength. Now I need that person. Now I'm connected to that person because they can do something I cannot do. So God has given each of us talents. God has done this with our capacities in mind. Our responsibilities match our talents. Our talents can become ever-increasing strengths. We must cooperate with God. We must be strengths focused. We must use our strengths for the local body of Christ wherever we're plugged in. And I just want to tell you this, I wish I had looked at this a long time ago, but providentially it just fell together just last week. But that Gallup's uh, survey that I had told you about where they had pooled over 50 years statistics of working people and figured all this out, you can go online and you can find it's called Strengths Finder. And it's, you go to the site, you, you have to pay to take this survey and there's different tiers. You can pay $50 and it'll tell you all of, you know, it'll tell you your top five strengths and then all 34 of these like subcategories. And they didn't just arbitrarily make them up. This is what they pooled over the 50 years and saw that things fell in these kind of classifications. You can do that and you get all 34 of them so you can know your strengths and your weaknesses or you can pay the tw this $20 and you know what your strengths are. And then it gives you actionable steps on what you can do to then exploit those. I took that and I was astounded at this. Things that I thought were weaknesses were suddenly thrown in a different light. And I realized that the very things I thought were wrong with me was the very things that I should be exploiting. And it, sh it shifted things for me and I thought, wow, these are areas where I'm just made like this. I'm gifted like this. And then I thought, that makes me appreciate people that are not like me with these other things. And I looked at what my bottom five were and I thought, you know what? I need to find whoever that person is. And I need to work with this person because they're going to pick up where I'm way off over here. I would challenge you, maybe just pray about it. Maybe you'd wanna take that yourself. It may kind of help you clear up things in your own mind, how God has made you as an individual. What, what kind of a strengths do you have? What do you have to offer? I mean, it will help you in many more facets than one. I'm not telling you that you need to do it, but I challenge you. It's been a great blessing to me. Strengths finder, that's the, that's the place. So you are and can be an asset to the local church. You already are, 
And you can be even more of an asset to the local church as you build upon the talents that God has given you. So you're going to make this transition as my family and I are going on to the next place and another pastor coming in behind. You can make this transition strong and stable for yourselves because you're knit together and you're all functioning in what your strength is. You're all focusing on your strength and seeing what you can contribute you know, to God and to his work right here. And then you're appreciating one another's weakness so it, it helps you with that love to pick the other one up where they droop and they pick you up where you droop and you just go together linked arms. So it'll help you as a local church body. But you know what? It's gonna be such a means of grace to the next pastor that comes in too. When he comes in and he finds that you are working like this, he's gonna think, wow. And he's gonna then have a place where he plugs in because there's probably going to be a gap somewhere, even when all of us are interconnected and depending on one another, there's gonna be a gap somewhere and I would not be surprised if the next pastor that comes in fills up that very place. So you can make this transition strong and stable as you build on your talents and keep your focus right there. The church of Rome is made up of you. The church of Jesus Christ is made up of individuals, but the, the God's missionary church of Rome is made up of you, which is Christ's church. It's just the local expression of his body. And you are the success of this church as a body and as a soul-saving hospital as you build on your talents. So may God help each and every one of us to find those strengths that are ours, to be comfortable being ourselves where our strengths lie, to then offer our strengths as an asset to God's kingdom according to our capacity, and God knows the capacity as well, offering it to God's kingdom right here. And then let's also look at our brothers and sisters and appreciate that my weakness is then picked up by their strength. And we know that our weakness is made perfect, or Christ's strength is made perfect in our weakness as well. And I believe that is even through the body of Christ. Because Christ dwells each believer, and he's gonna fill up that lack even with the other member of his body. So my challenge to you is, in the place of prayer, Lord, what's my talent? What do I have to offer? Where are my strengths, Lord? Find out what those are. And then say, Lord, how now can I work with that? How can I build on that in your kingdom? Then also, if and through your seeking you find weaknesses, then pray and say, Lord, who has that strength that then I might be able to appreciate and eventually be able to pass certain responsibilities in their direction. As needs arise, you'll be able to find out where each one of these tasks will eventually just flow because it'll go to the person who's strong there. And with all that, all of you will be happy and fulfilled, building on the talents that the master himself has dumped out in all of his riches and goodness. You'll be walking right in the road that he's carved out from the beginning because remember he was the creator God and he still is and he's created you purposefully and intentionally to do a certain thing for him. You'll be fulfilled, you'll be blessed and then the whole church will be fulfilled and blessed as they're walking in the footsteps that God has prepared since the foundation of the world, those works that he's ordained for you to walk in, whatever those may be. And I believe that you're going to find 
that there is great fulfillment as we just build upon the gift of the riches of our master into our own being. And I think this is the key and element to this transition that is going to be taking place is this focus. I don't know as if it's everything, but it's certainly a large piece. So may God help us to be a strengths-focused people as this transition goes forward and not allow the devil to carry us down in the gutter on any other side, but focus on the strengths and what I can contribute. And I think God's going to carry this transition forward in a way that will amaze every one of us.